This is episode 79 of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast, and I'm your host, John S. Today I'll be speaking with Alex M., author of Daily Reprieve, AA for Atheists and Agnostics, a new meditation book using quotes from the big book, followed by Alex's comments. Hello, I am with uh, Alex M., author of Daily Reprieve, AA for Atheists and Agnostics. Alex, how are you doing today? Uh, very well, John. Thank you for uh, having the interview and speaking with me. Well, I look forward to it. It's uh, I love the book, by the way. I think I'm going to use it at our meeting today. I think I, I might have talked to you uh, last time that we talked. I told you that I was a little bit concerned about my group that um, a lot of our meetings are tending to be someone coming up with a topic. And I always like to have a, a meeting that's centered on something that's read because it kind of gives you some some grounding. And what you've put together here, uh, just as way of introduction, the book is called Daily Reprieve, AA for Atheists and Agnostics. And it's really a remarkable book because um, what what it is, it's a daily uh, reflections book, like what you see in a lot of AA meetings, but done from a secular perspective. And what Alex has done is he's taken a little paragraph from every chapter of the big book, and then he um, he just quotes that chapter. And then he writes his consideration of the chapter, his take on it. And um, it's just really a neat way to, you know, introduce someone to the big book, to, um, I think, stimulate conversation in a AA meeting that centers on recovery. You learn a lot about the history of AA, um, how the steps came to be. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, and then in addition to the daily reflections, um, there is also a collection of essays that Alex had written that are very, very well done. So really good stuff here. So thank you for putting that together, Alex. Oh, my, my pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Maybe a good a good thing to do to start off is, would you like to tell us a little bit about your background? You know, what, what got you into AA, what your experience has been in AA, your relationship with the big book, and what got you interested in putting this book together? Uh, sure. Uh, I came into AA uh, about 11 years ago, and I'm from a Midwestern town. And I've been familiar with AA for a number of years because my uh, father was an alcoholic. And a long time ago, uh, before my drinking got out of control, I used to go to uh, AA meetings with him. And unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't take with him, but I did sort of get exposed to the process of a meeting and what it was about. And after he died from his illness, I kind of forgot about it. And uh, I found through the years that you know when i was a when i was a very young child um like so many of us i hear in aa you know I, I just felt like i didn't fit in with the folks around me and i really wanted to i wanted to have some type of connection you know with my peers and you know the folks in school and all that sort of thing and and just didn't know how to do it um so when i couldn't do that I wanted relief because it upset me. I mean, it's like, what's wrong with me? You know, and no one, <laughs> no one cares about me. And I, you know, the kids at school make fun of me and all this sort of thing. And, 
And so uh, I looked for an escape. And this is when I was very young. I'm talking about six or seven years old. And my escape at the time was through reading. And I loved to read. And I was an only child, uh, so I didn't have to deal with brothers and sisters and all that sort of thing. So I would go up into my room and just read, you know, read books, and I would escape that way. And that helped, but it didn't really, you know, it didn't really work that well for me. But it gave me a bit of relief. And as I got older into teenagehood, if you will, I really felt like an outcast. Uh, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was smart, but I wasn't the smartest kid at school. And I wasn't good at sports and couldn't socialize with the ladies very well. And all of that stress said to me, again, you know, you're a failure and what's wrong with you. And, and I, I looked for escape again. You know, I didn't like the feelings, the emotions that I was having. And um, I found alcohol. And alcohol worked for me for about 40 years. Um, I found that when I drank, all of a sudden the promises would come true. Uh, suddenly I would fit in. I would be accepted into the group. The group would approve me. And uh, I felt better. You know, it was just I didn't have to go through a lot of experimentation with other addictions because the alcohol worked. And over time, as many of us have experienced, uh, the alcohol stopped working. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I don't remember the date that it stopped working for me, but it probably was around 1996 um, in that area. And all of a sudden, I found that I could drink a tremendous amount of alcohol and I could be drunk, but I would still be conscious and the committee in my head would still be going and I, I wasn't getting relief. And it was at that point I knew I had already kind of jumped off that cliff. You know, there was no going back. They talk about the cucumber pickle kind of thing. And, and it was, <laughs> it was very upsetting yeah. <laughs> because I thought I'm in trouble now, you yeah. know, and, uh, and we all, or many of us go through that transition mm -hmm. from being that hard drinker that Bill Wilson talks about to, to the real alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, you know, being a good alcoholic, I thought I could fix this myself and, you know, self-reliance and self-sufficiency would work. I'm a smart guy and, yep. you know, I, I figured I'd figure out a way. And I went through all the stuff that Bill's story talks about, except the institutional part. I was never institutionalized. Unfortunately, I was never jailed either. Mm -hmm. So my consequences were not extreme to motivate me, but in my mind, I could fix myself. And then obviously that didn't work. And I tried that for about another 10 years. Um, but it just, it stopped, you know, I couldn't do it alone. And that was the, I guess, the light bulb uh, that came off in my head. And it was uh, sort of um, prompted, if you will, by just that hopelessness. Mm -hmm. You know, I tried and tried and tried. And the only options I had, I thought, were basically suicide uh, or, you know, again, I, I kind of knew about AA. I thought, well, maybe this AA thing, you know, or should I kill myself? Well, you know, that debate, you know, they talk about that in the book too, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. what should we do, you know, and I had to think about it. And, and fortunately, I, I was helped into AA literally because I, I wasn't sober at the time to my first AA meeting. And, and, and when I, when I got there, 
I did feel the hope in the runes, and, and that I think is a real was a real blessing for me because I know people who come in AA so they really didn't connect initially with AA, but mm-hmm. I felt like these are just you know guys I've drank with in a bar for years, except they're not drinking, and I could connect with those guys in the bar, so I can surely connect with them in the rooms of AA, um, and I did, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I'd ask them, you know, how long I drink on the way home today. And they talked about their experience and the one day at a time and asking God for help and just mm-hmm. keep me sober for the next minute or hour or, you know, the, the daily reprieve that we have, the 24-hour approach. And um, I never believed in, in, I was never a religious person or, or connected with the, with God or, or believed in that, mm-hmm. but I believed in them. You yeah. know, I figured, well, you know, that's what they did. You know, I'll, I'll just say, help me stay sober for the mm-hmm. next 10 minutes or one hour. And somehow I did stay sober. But when I talked to other folks new in the program, I also emphasized that I did more than that. Right. Um, you know, I, you know, I didn't <laughs> I didn't answer the phone for my old buddies. I didn't go to the bar. I didn't go right. to the liquor store. I started reading the big book when mm-hmm. my mind cleared, and I went to a lot of meetings. I hung out at the local yep. AA clubs. Um, so I think all those things helped me stay sober long enough to hear the message of recovery mm-hmm. in the big book. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a... Um, I was at a meeting, uh, what's today, a couple of days ago. Actually, it's our, our only AA agnostic meeting in town, which is a, really a standard AA meeting. But one of the, one of the, uh, members, newcomers early in AA was sort of, uh, talking about how since they're not drinking, they have so much time yeah, on their hands yeah. and they don't know what to do with yeah, it. Yeah, I remember and, noticing that. And I thought, Oh, I can relate to that. Uh-huh. And uh, and we talked about how, you know, each of us filled that time void um, with other activities. And, and, and for me, obviously, I figured out, well, maybe I better immerse myself in AA so I don't get in trouble and, you know, start drinking again. But also, I remember when I live, I live in an old house. It's, a, it's an old farmhouse uh, built in the 1840s and um it's you know it's wood and it's got brick walls and mm-hmm. all that but when i moved in i actually moved in because my wife had passed away in 1996 and uh. and so I, I couldn't stay in the same house so i moved to another house and when i moved in for some reason one of the prior tenants or occupants had painted the dining room floor blue. I mean, it was kind of weird, hmm. but they had painted the floor blue. So when I had all that time on my hands, I thought, well, I'm going to take the blue paint off the floor because, you know, it's good hard. You had old hardwood floors yeah. underneath. And so I thought I can do this the easy way, you know, with mechanics, or I can do it the hard way. And for me, the hard way was taking a pocket knife and literally scraping the paint off that hardwood floor because I figured that'll take me forever, but it will give me something to do not to think about drinking. And uh, and that's what I did. That's how I filled my time um, a lot, uh, whether it was the middle of the night mm-hmm. or during the day. But I had to stay occupied. Yeah. You know, if I didn't, I knew what would happen. So... 
you know, once I got got to AA, I, I was a believer. I believed in in the big book and what the people told me about mm-hmm. how they got sober. So mm-hmm. I followed directions. Yeah, and um, it worked. So, that sounds a lot like uh, my experience. I mean, when I came in, oh, I had no real religious beliefs. I didn't have any experience with religion. I but I did just kind of say, well, this is what these guys are doing. I'm going to do it. There must be some psychological benefit to these things that they're doing. And like you, um, I don't know how long it took me, but there was a period of time where um, I was just going to meetings. I mean, I went to a lot of meetings, but then there was a time where I guess the fog lifted enough to where I could actually um, start reading the book and going through the steps through the book, which is what my group did at the time. So I have a real similar experience. Um, later for me, I, I, um, I realized that I was an atheist and then I started reinterpreting the program. Did you go through any kind of a process like that? Oh, absolutely. I, I, uh, my, I came in in, uh, May, uh, and I kind of, and actually, you know, I was very faithful to the meetings and, you know, tried to do the coffee thing and talk mm-hmm. to people a little shy in the beginning, yeah. but I didn't want to get in the step work. And they all said, they all told me, they said, well, we got sober doing the steps and you know, that, that will lead you to that new design for living. And mm-hmm. I still thought I was self-reliant. I still thought, mm-hmm. well, you know, <laughs> maybe I can skip that part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. don't have to fool with it. It looks like a lot of work. But after about six months sober, I was suicidal again because it's like this life is horrible. You know, I just, you know, I mean, I just, I didn't get any, I didn't get any relief from stopping drinking. Yeah. And that's what I'd hoped I would get immediately right. when I came into AA. So I, I found a sponsor, and he was a born-again Christian, just mm-hmm. a wonderful, wonderful fellow. Um, and we went through the steps together. And, of course, the sec- you know, starting the second step starts talking about God. And we had long discussions about God because for me, and, and I didn't have any, and don't today, any mm-hmm. uh, you know, prejudice against religion or anything. But I, I just couldn't connect with it. You right. know, I mean, you know, I was a, you know, I was an acolyte in church when I grew up, and I loved all that. But I never connected with that higher power being God in um, in in my early years, and certainly in my later years. So. So he would tell me, he said that because I wasn't self-sufficient, I had to, you know, I had, I had to find something spiritual mm-hmm. and it didn't have to be his God or God of other people in AAs, but I had to have something where I could say, I'm not God. I need something spiritual, whatever that mm-hmm. is in my life. In other words, non-human mm-hmm. to help me get me through, uh, not only living in well, to help me live in sobriety. And, and that kind of made sense to me. But the book, when I read the book, it was all jumbled up. I mean, mm. it, it was my interpretation of the book, of Bill's writing, was that it was like the parachute story. You know, you come into AA and they, they talk about doing the steps and all that. And they say, well, you can jump out of the plane with the parachute or, you know, not mm-hmm. with one. But we suggest mm-hmm. you use a parachute. Mm-hmm. In the big book, it says, "Well, you can pick your higher power, but we really suggest right. it's gonna. It needs to be God." And so it's kind of like, mm, okay. He really helped me. My sponsor really helped me say it, it does 
not have to be God. It just has to be something that you can connect with that's spiritual, that's not human, that will help you get sober, and that could be a could be a higher force or purpose in life. Or for me today, it's a set of higher principles that mm-hmm. are fairly well outlined in the steps. Mm-hmm. But something that'll that'll help you uh, live a better life, and that kind of made sense to me. Um, and it's the connection part. It's the connection part right. because when he suggested, he said, just get a piece of paper and write down what you can believe in that's something spiritual. And that's, that's your higher power. And, and if you can connect with that, you know, on a daily basis, doing that morning meditation or the evening review throughout the day stuff they talk about in step 10, then use it, you know, because it's there to be used to help you be a better person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and it was amazing because he was, you know, he actually was a very religious fellow, but he, he opened the door for me to, um, to a spirituality that I could relate to that would help me, regardless of the kind of the way God is talked about in the big book. And I had a resentment against that for a long time because, you know, it's like, well, the book's saying I got to believe in God, which, you know, kind of technically it's not, but kind of, you know, subtext it is. Yeah. And it's I, some I had to, yeah, it's a contradiction, but. But I had to get over that resentment. And when I talk to people today, you know, I find it's the resentment against the text in the book that kind of gets people tangled yeah, up sometimes. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, and I get it. You sure. know, I mean, I, I get it. You know, I get kind of pissed off too sure. sometimes. And, sure. and we agnostics chapter and all that kind right. of stuff. But, but that's their story. Right. You know, that is how they got sober. And that right. doesn't mean... I have to follow exactly their exact, footsteps. Yes, yes. You know, that's how um, I see it. And that too. helped me a lot. Yeah, same you know? here. I um I'm very much like you. I uh um I I I went to a group that was very heavy into studying the big book. I mean, it was something where, you know, like for example, my sponsor would say, "John, I want you to read um this chapter every day for 30 days. Call me and at the end, you know, we'll we'll meet and go over it." And then we would meet and at length, we'd go over sentence by sentence, and we'd stop right. and discuss and talk and all this kind of stuff. And then we would, you know, everything that we would do would lead up to the next step and everything like that. So I went through this long process of going through the steps, and we didn't rush through it. We really took our time to study it. But I think at the time that I was doing that, I was just very um, willing just to do you know, whatever they were, whatever was suggested to do. And I really tried to follow things the way it was laid out in the book. But then fast forward many, many, many years later, when I come to realize I'm an atheist and I start looking at the book a little bit differently, and I did begin to develop some resentments against it. But I finally came to the conclusion that you did, that this is this is an historical document. This is this is the experience of those people who founded this program. And I don't have to have the same experience, but I can draw from their experience and I can put it in context of where they were coming from in their lives and in their time. And that's how I see it now. Um, and that's what I like about your book, by the way, is you really um, I mean, I like that that you leave the book intact. And then you actually go through and you and you you share about, you know, every little thing in that book based upon your own perspective. And it really, I think, helps people 
especially if they don't have a lot of background in AA, to understand how this stuff can apply to someone who might not have a god for their for a higher power. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, what led you to write the book? Can you talk a little bit about that and the process of writing it? It must have taken you a good long time, I imagine. It took about two and a half years yeah. to, to get the book done. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because just throughout AA, you know, we we all talk about higher power and God just in general. But right. I was... Um, I was talking, or I was talking with my my sister in law's wife one day, and this was a couple, I guess, about I don't know, six months or so before I thought about writing the book. And uh, she she was not an alcoholic, but her father, her um, oh, I can't remember, I don't know, mother or grandmother was or whatever. But um, and she asked me, she said, I only have one question about AA. Is it religious? Mm. And she actually, you know, had been to an AA meeting at some point. And this question comes up kind of all the time. But for some reason, I actually started thinking about this and trying to explain to her that, well, it's really not a religious program. It's a spiritual program. And, you know, what's that mean and all this? But that discussion led me really to thinking about all the folks that I had met through the years prior who had come into AA with a, I don't want to say a God problem, but didn't believe in God, were atheist or agnostic. And those folks, in my experience, many of them, and it's uh, kind of been uh, documented a little bit in some short studies, but, you know, most of them don't come back. Mm. And, uh, Maybe they get sober some other way, but I'm thinking, oh, my God, these people, you know, they, they, they don't stay in AA, and maybe they die or something. And, and I got to thinking about that whole situation, and for some reason I thought, well, the book is the, the instruction manual. Maybe if, and I loved reading, I read the meditation books in the morning, you know, 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. you know, God stuff aside. Mm-hmm. I love the format of it, and I thought, well, maybe we can incorporate or I can incorporate the big book and then do it in sort of a similar format to have a, a big book section, you know, big book uh, selection or excerpt mm-hmm. and then a thought, you know, kind of a thought and then a question, mm-hmm. you know, an action item mm-hmm. uh, for the people to reflect on. Mm-hmm. So so I started doing that and and it, it obviously took a while Um but it it came it flowed fairly easily, but it took a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And then I added the stuff in the back, the musings in the back, because mm-hmm. I just I don't know I just felt like it basically. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so over that period of time, and, and fortunately today in this day and age, we can I mean we can self publish, and there's mm-hmm. a mechanism to do that. I didn't need an agent and all mm-hmm. that. So so you know the book was sort of created out of the out of my belief that, you know, if you don't believe in God, AA can still work for you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and don't dismiss it. Don't run away from AA. Give it a fair chance. Um, you know, don't, you know, don't go out there and die because, you know, the book's full of, you know, God stuff. Yeah. Um, because it can work for us you know, for, for non-believers or free thinkers, mm-hmm. and, and, and especially the younger folks. I mean, I'm 64, and 
I find a lot of the younger folks, I don't know if this is actually true, but, you know, they may be more spiritually oriented than religiously oriented mm-hmm. when they come in mm-hmm. uh, than the older folks uh, who are in AA. And, and I just hate seeing anybody, again, especially the younger folks, um, you know, just run away right. from AA because of the, the God. And they don't come back. Right. You know, that's the thing. A lot of them don't come back. Right. It's like, oh, they'll be back later. It's like, no, not necessarily. Right. So how can we open that door wider yeah. as an AA member, you know, yeah. as trying to carry the message? How can I try to, how can I effectively carry the message of AA, the, the message of recovery from that hopeless state of mind and body as an atheist in AA? Mm-hmm. How can mm-hmm. I best carry that message? And mm-hmm. that's kind of the end of the line motivation for yep. me, uh, uh today, yep. you know, um, so it's just, you know, opening the door a little wider uh, you know, for everybody. Yeah, I know. What's interesting is the, the book would actually be useful to anyone, even if someone believed in God, they would be perfectly comfortable with the book, I think. You know? I think so, too. And, and, and uh, it's interesting, my, uh, uh, my, my sister-in-law is actually a graphics designer, and uh-huh. she lives up in Maine, and for the cover, I was up visiting her and her wife, who'd asked me that question about uh-huh. religion, and so we sat down, and, and, you know, she's doing her thing on her Macintosh, and it's like, well, what do you want to name this book? And so, well, I said, Daily Reprieve, which actually was suggested by another person in uh-huh. AA, because I didn't know what to call the uh-huh. book. And she goes, well, it needs a subtitle. What do you want to call it? And and so I, I can't remember, but I had some subtitle picked up, uh-huh. pick, picked out. And she goes, oh, no, 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 you, you just can't do that. You know, it was something like daily reprieve, you know, medications, I mean, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> medications, meditations for people in AA. Uh-huh. And she goes, no, 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 that's not what that book's about. Uh-huh. And I said, uh-huh. well... It's, it is for atheists and agnostics, but, you know, it's kind of for everybody, too. I don't want to exclude people right. if they're not atheists or agnostics, because, right. you know, it's the big book. It's got the whole book. She goes, no, no, no. You have to say exactly what that book's Good about. Good for her. And so, <laughs> yeah, she picked out the subtitle. She goes, this is for atheists and agnostics. Good and I for said, her. Well, then people might ex- think that if they're not atheists or agnostics, they, they shouldn't yeah, read the book. It. And she goes, she goes, tell the truth. That's what the book's Good about. Good for her. You know, know your audience. And so we got in this big fight wow. about what to, what to name. Well, not a fight, but, you right. know, we had this heated discussion for like an hour uh, on what to, you know, what the subtitle ought to be. And I thought, well, you're smarter than I am, you know, so we'll just call it um, AA for Atheists and Agnostics, which is what Good it is. But, uh, yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah, was smart, so, because otherwise, yeah, you know, it's a great book, and anyone could use it, but there's not a lot of material for people out there who want to understand this program from a secular way. And I tell you, there's right. a big demand for it. The podcast that we do on the 12 Steps are the most popular podcasts that, that we have, that we ever do at AA Beyond Belief because people are really interested in as non-believers, how do I do this? How, you know, especially if right. they're new and they don't have that experience. So this is, this is great to have this. Um, I thought I would read one of the readings and I thought I'd just pick today's reading because I was, I was actually looking at it for, um, our meeting today. I'm going to read this for our meeting today. And today is January the 6th, isn't it? Yeah, January 6th. Okay, so this is from um, January 6th, from the foreword to the second edition. 
Another reason for the wide acceptance of AA was the ministration of friends, friends in medicine, religion, and the press, together with innumerable others who became our able and persistent advocates. Without such support, AA could have made only the slowest progress. Alcoholics Anonymous is not a religious organization. Neither does AA take any particular medical point of view, though we cooperate widely with the men of medicine as well as with the men of religion. And that's a forward um, to the second edition, page XX. And then the consideration, which is the part that Alex writes, once we come to believe that we have a chance of recovery, we admit we need help. By ourselves, we are never able to stop drinking and get our life on track, despite trying for years to be self-reliant. Joining AA and reading the big book is a start, but we may also need support from our friends and other fields outside of AA. Having a trusted AA sponsor and guide who can show us how they got sober and found a new way of living is also essential. And then the question, am I willing to consult with other professionals if needed? and find an AA sponsor for help and guidance during my journey into recovery. What a marvelous way to provoke a discussion, in my opinion. Mm. And, and what a lot of um, amazing stuff is in there when you think about it. You know, you're talking about, you know, traditions. Um, you're talking mm -hmm. about um, admitting, uh, the admission of defeat in step one. Um, you're talking about getting outside help. Um, you know, take making use of psychiatrists, psychologists, doctors, whoever, and even people of religion if they can be helpful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, yeah, I think it may, may it'll make for a good meeting. Um, actually, <laughs> to 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 read from that. So, well, thank you. This is the kind of stuff that I I believe that is real helpful for for AA meetings and especially for um agnostic meetings like ours because I tell you. Um, we get a lot of newcomers at our group, we agnostics in Kansas City. Um, we get a lot of uh, those people that you're talking about. I consider them young. They're in their 20s or 30s. And um, they're not quite comfortable with the language of Alcoholics Anonymous, the old 1930s prose. They're not um, particularly religious. And many of them wouldn't even give AA a chance if it weren't for a secular program. Now, it's great that they have this option where they can come to a secular AA meeting and they can meet like-minded folks and they can make friends who support them in their recovery and they do well. Um, we also have step meetings where we'll talk about steps from reading other books and so forth, but we don't read the big book and they're losing, they're missing on a very important piece. And that's the uh, understanding the history, the culture of Alcoholics Anonymous, and the origin of this entire thing, and the steps, and the fellowship. Um, I think it's important, and I, I've always loved history, but I think it's important to understand where we came from and to, to build on um, the work of the past and to somehow incorporate it into our lives in a way that makes sense to us. So this book gives a way to introduce the big book to a lot of people who might not, who might otherwise just ignore it, you know? Yeah. That was sort of a, another ulterior motive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, well, if you get nothing else out of it and you actually look at it a little bit, at least you'll get exposed to the big book, which is again, uh, I think a very, I mean, I'm a AA historian and, 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 and what helped me was over time, the more I learned about the history of AA, the, more closely I felt connected to the program 
um, itself, and that yeah. that helps keep me sober. Um, but uh, but the you know the the big when I when I have a sponsee, I mean we we go through the big book. I mean, yeah. the, well, the first one sixty four. Right. I mean, we sit down and we have you know as you had said earlier, John. We you know I kind of give them a little assignment, you know, right. and, and then we talk about it and highlight certain things that may be uh, important to them, and, and just have a discussion about it. Um, but you're right. A lot of folks I've noticed shy away from the actual book itself mm-hmm. it's just well you do the you know these 12 steps and you know that's all we talk about and and uh but the whole meat of the of the book it, it explains how to relate to the world yeah. you know or how those guys did at least um and how they got out and then how they found hope yeah They're really how they found hope and um, i think part of it too is like just it is sort of a generational thing because i'm 55 so I think about it, you know, when I was learning how to read, I was reading material that was probably written in the 1950s, you know, 1960s, mm-hmm. 1950s. Right. So that prose and that language wasn't that far removed from the way that the big book was written. So when I got the big book, and I kind of remember this, 1988, looking at the big book, and I thought, what? It's pretty old. But still, I was able to understand and digest it, and I was okay with it. Whereas someone now in their 30s who, you know, did not grow up with that kind of a, um, language or whatever, you know, it's a little bit more difficult for them to even um, understand it. But if they approach it from a more historical perspective and, and, and understand where the people came from, I think that's even more important now than it ever was before, because we're talking about something now that was, you know, more than 80 years ago when it was written. So you really do want to kind of understand the time, the place, the people who wrote it um, to really get the full measure out of it, in my opinion. Um, and it, I got to tell you, too, the whole thing about AA history, I've, I've, I've come to appreciate it more and more. Um, if you haven't read this book, I would highly recommend it. I did a podcast with this guy not long ago. It's called Drunks and American History. Okay. It's really good, but I read that book, and he doesn't. He talks about the history of Alcoholics Anonymous, but he also talks about, um, and it's Christopher Christopher Finan who wrote it. But he also talks about just the history of um, the treatment of alcoholism over from really the beginning of the United States up until present time. And when mm. you read that, you really appreciate what Alcoholics Anonymous has contributed to the treatment for alcoholism. I mean, AA it wasn't exactly new. But there was something about it that, and maybe it was the time it came on the scene, maybe it was Bill Wilson, I don't know, but maybe a combination of all these things. But it really changed the way that um, we approach treatment and our understanding of alcoholism. And AA was very free in sharing their program with any who wanted it. And there was like this huge revolution of people with all kinds of problems who would adapt the steps for their own particular needs. And then even the people who didn't like AA would sp- sprung off from it and started their own, <laughs> their own things, you know? Right. So it's like all this stuff came from AA. And, w- and when you really, and, and not even that too, all the, um, like the National Council on Alcoholism that was started by Marty mm. Mann. M- Marty, uh, yeah. Yeah. And all these other things that, that, that sprung from AA members who, whose work wasn't necessarily part of AA when they were doing it. 
But anyway, you read that and, 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 and I know that, you know, pride isn't something that we like to, you know, we try to avoid, I guess, but I, I felt a certain amount of pride in AA after reading that book and understanding the history a little bit better and just that how unique, um, our fellowship is that it's lasted as long as it has. You know, most of these things didn't last very long. Well, I think, uh, I mean, I know this isn't a history lesson, but I think Bill's, uh, Bill Wilson's appreciation and research into like the Washingtonians and then some of the other groups and that he, he spent a lot of time looking at why other groups failed mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, chose not to repeat those mistakes. And what I find in AA is the focus of the primary purpose of carrying the message, um, you know, being the emphasis and not having a lot of, I guess, rules and regulations, as you had mentioned, uh, John, mm-hmm. uh, really contributed to, you know, we're still, we're, we're still here now after 80 years. And the traditions helped, I think, in the 50s, early 50s, when he came out with that, to, you know, so our groups don't, you know, kill each other and all that sort of thing. Um, but I think Bill had a lot of respect for the history of treatment. I, I don't want to say how alcoholism had been treated in the past and tried not to set up a system, uh, that, that, you know, would fail, uh, based on his experience with, uh, other organizations. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating history. I mean, you're right. It's a fascinating history. And, but the primary purpose and the service component of that, that my job is to carry the message to another alcoholic who still suffers. And, and, you know, that's why I'm here today. And how can I best do that? Um, and if I stick to that and don't get distracted by all the other stuff going on in the world around me, then, you know, I'll probably, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll succeed. You know, we'll, we'll stay put, if you will, as an organization. Mm-hmm. But I agree. It's a, it's a fascinating history and, and how, and it was a revolution. It was a revolutionary way of how alcoholism was treated compared to the, you know, the prior methods that, you know, institutionalization and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of respect and, and, and I am proud of AA, you know, Mm -hmm. not, not in a prideful, not in a, you know, arrogant, prideful manner, but it's just a, it's, it's, it's saved so many lives uh, through the years. I mean, millions of people, you know, um, I'm sure it's in the millions whose lives have been saved, um, and their families, you know, the families, I didn't realize how, I didn't realize when I came in AA, it's not just, well, the father who's drunk, you know, the kids suffer and the wife suffered, but I learned in talking with some of my, my mom's a, <laughs> mm-hmm. a long time Al-Anon uh, lady, and um, I was talking to some of her friends, because I go to Al-Anon too, mm-hmm. um, and, and her friends, just we were just talking, and her friends said, you know... When you were out drinking, obviously it hurt your mother so much, but it hurt us so much because we were your mother's friends, and when she mm-hmm. hurt, we hurt. So it's kind of that ripple effect of the, you know, <laughs> of the, I guess, destructiveness 
of the alcoholic in the family. It's not just the family. It's the, you know, the friends of the family. It's, it just reaches out farther and farther. So that was a real eye opener for me because I had no clue that other people suffered other than just, you know, the family I pushed away when I was drinking. Um, so it was an eye opener for me, um, that aspect of it. But, but today we can, you know, we can, hopefully uh, reverse a lot of that damage at least uh if we can get sober and stay sober so yeah yeah absolutely well i enjoyed the conversation um i really well, enjoyed you. the book um i'm gonna introduce it to my group today and we'll see how that goes i think i think that they'll like super. it yeah um so um and we have it posted there on aa beyond belief and we'll be posting it with the podcast so people know where they can get it um, okay. So really, really a great service that you've done um, by writing this book. Uh, thank you very much for doing that and for uh, agreeing to come on and talk about it and to share your story with well, us. Well, thank you, well. John. And just, just remember, it's a group effort. I always tell people <laughs> it's all a group effort. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's not one of us alone. I mean, seriously, it's a, yeah. it's us. It's a we in that first word and the first step. It's we. You're right. So thank You're right. you. Well, if you're ever in KC, please look me up. I'd be glad to. I will, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, okay. Come, come. You know where I am, and then yep. uh, let me know if you're ever up this way. We'll do. All right, you take care now. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you, John. Okay. Well, that's it for another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the program. Hey, if you'd like to uh, help out the podcast, uh, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash aabeyondbelief. We're looking at raising a little bit of money uh, so that we can afford transcripts with our podcast and maybe even help me with some of the editing costs. That would uh, be much appreciated. For a little as a dollar a month, you could help out a great deal. If you can't do it, that's fine too. We're just happy to have you here listening. So with that, we'll be back again real soon.